Welcome to Why the Long Face, two old friends lifting the lid on mental health over a beer with author and psychiatrist Paul Keedwell and business consultant and so-called comedian Ollie Turnbull. Hello again after an unnatural uh, and elongated break to Why the Long Face, and this is um, season four, a podcast, as I hope you know, that discusses, sometimes in a slightly more light-hearted way, if we can get away with it, the issues of mental health. Uh, myself, Oliver Turnbull, speaks generally to Dr. Paul Keedwell. Hello, doctor. Hello, hello. And uh, we are going to be joined in this season by uh, a third voice, at least a third voice, uh, with uh, Ashley Pollock, our mate Ash from decades ago, who's done a very brave thing. And what he's actually done for reasons which will become apparent is done audio recordings, an audio diary, if you will, of um, an episode uh, where he, um, you know, had some troubles with his mental health and uh, he's ballsy enough to want to share it with us and for us to share it with you. So, uh, Paul. Why don't you just welcome our guest in the uh, in the in the uh, t- time honoured way? Absolutely. Uh, well, Ash, we're old friends, and uh, it's great to be making this uh, this season with you. Thank you. It's been fascinating listening to your journey. Obviously, it's a unique insight into someone who has gone through some wobbles in his bipolar illness. And it's a way of you relating to us about what you think might have contributed to that, what you think might have helped, I guess, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you're going to hear a lot of my voice on the recording. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I I look forward to to discussing it with you guys yeah well let's go straight into it then and no we'll pick it up afterwards cool hi my name's ashley for the past 12 years i've said that i used to have bipolar i'm 42 now in my 20s i had a number of years where there were challenges with my mental health and where it took a lot of energy a lot of thoughtfulness to figure out a way through to lead a more stable life and so in the last 10 years that's what i've done i uh, figured out what I wanted to do for work, uh, started as a cameraman working at the BBC and then set up a, a company and then employed people and uh, done some work that I'm really proud of. And then literally about three months ago, for the first time in many, many years, I had a crash, an episode. And so the the reason that we are doing this podcast is to to pit that apart somewhat and to hopefully provide some learnings to those that are listening to the podcast. And Pete is sat here with me. So Pete, introduce yourself and explain why the two of us are chatting on this. My name's Peter Adams. I'm a life coach. Ash, me and you have been working together for the last six months as coach and coachee. And in that time, you've had the most recent dip. Uh, We've been exploring and deepening our relationship and talking about how to have a better life how to have a life that is in line with our purpose, particularly with two of us who have moved to a location that supports a more sustainable mix of life and work. Although that's also kind of caught up with the time when I've gone through this this episode, right? To give some more recent context, when COVID hit, I was running my company. I had five staff and almost overnight it was mothballed. Furloughed my staff, got rid of my office, got rid of my kit and set up a a startup business, a garden delivery business, 
that kept me and my wife and all the people we employed really busy uh, for three or four months. So we ended up doing like 900 deliveries across London. And then we moved to Ibiza and that was almost two years ago. And that's a lot of change, right? That's a lot of things happening. And yet my mental health was fine through all of that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, and we've explored what it means to get that balance back, to find the resources and the tools that we have inside of ourselves. And most of the time, it's just a matter of slowing down and tapping into that. And so I think part of that journey has been in coming back to these audio notes that you've been recording. So tell us a little bit more about these notes. Yeah, so interestingly, I didn't start keeping these notes to trap my mental health or anything. About a year year ago, maybe over a year ago, I attended a course which was about kind of self-awareness, really. And so I was kind of exploring that. And I guess going back to my 20s, I've been quite explorative. I'm kind of fascinated with how the brain works. <clears throat> and on this course, they introduced me to these concepts of breath work, just really being able to breathe and get some calmness from that, body scanning, a form of meditation, uh, exploring gratitude and goal setting, and then journaling. And journaling, as it was explained to me or how it was introduced to me, is writing down your thoughts on paper. But I didn't get on very well with that. I found it much easier to talk about it. So I started recording these audio notes. And I've kept them for various reasons, working on our startup, to figure out stuff I'm learning, to process stuff. And it just so happens that these audio notes have captured this last episode, the lead up to the high, the high itself, the crash, the crash sounds very dramatic, it feels like a crash, uh, the lower period and the recovery. And I was listening back to those when I was feeling lower and I thought this is, this is actually quite unique as a record because when I was reaching out onto the internet, when I was in a you know, recalibration stage, a lot of what you read on the internet is quite frightening actually. A lot of it is from the perspective of doctors and clinicians, and it's quite hard to find stories of people like yourself. And so I felt that exploring these audio notes with you, based on our um, existing relationship together, and also reaching out to Paul and Ollie with their podcast, Paul and Ollie I've known a long time as well, that it could bring some, some openness, some informality to something that often is dealt with in quite a serious way. So should we dive into the first one? Yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> let me give some context here. So this audio note goes back to August of last year. So 31st of August. This is like six, seven months before I have an issue. It's me talking through my reasoning and my thinking as to why I was about to do what I was about to do, which was... We had started this startup in the first lockdown. It had been really successful as a reactive lockdown startup. And I was looking uh, to pivot that business into something much more innovative. So, yeah, should we jump in? Yeah, let's do it. I'm feeling good. And on top of things, a little bit of anxiety about a few things like my dad. Yeah, having, on the one hand, a degree of excitement about what we're doing with Doorstep Gardener, uh, but then again a bit of trepidation, a uh, bit of a feeling of um, is this the right place to put my energy, 
I've done quite a lot of things that I put a lot of energy into that haven't worked out. And I haven't got limitless energy. Uh, also kind of, I don't know if it's my version of a midlife crisis, but I'm kind of flitting between being very grateful for the life that I have that may not be entirely just down to me, but I guess down to my choices. My career kind of feels like it's changing. I have an underlying sense of failure um, that although I have built up my own company and got my own clients and I realised the <coughs> achievement there, the reality is that I haven't <coughs> built up security and stability in terms of investments and pensions etc um, I know on the other side though because I'm with Justine I actually have a lot of security and a share in investments and that I kind of have a desire to achieve some of that myself so I think that's the challenge right now is I'm trying to reposition my ambition and I, I want to achieve success and I think actually more financial success I've never been driven by money but more financial success in the next 10 years and and so when 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 I'm thinking of putting my energy into startups and unknown quantities that's obviously a risk so actually one thing that stands out to me here, or one of many things, is the startup risk. Tell yeah. me a little bit more about that. Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? Hearing me talk about financial security, financial stability, that I've been driven, as I have been for many years, by passion, and that's changing, and that I saw the solution as startups. I guess with reflection, if we're talking about bipolar, there are a number of things that are said about people when they are on a high with bipolar about having visions of grandeur, um, going after unobtainable things. So what I hear when I hear that is there's a risk to my mental health, which I wasn't considering at this point. I feel very strongly that anyone with not just bipolar or any mental health condition shouldn't restrain their lives based on a health issue. Yeah, something comes to mind of one of the practitioners that you saw that suggested that you should constrain. Do you want to remind yeah. me about that? Well, this was back in my 20s. I saw a psychiatrist when I was first diagnosed. And I remember them saying, Ash, I think you, you need to drop your ambitions. You need to just take it easier. You need to, at that point, get a job in a supermarket. Don't have such big ambitions. And then, without being rude on microphone here, that comment I mean I kind of thought F you I, I know who I am yeah. I know what I want to achieve and that is distinct from a health condition yeah I'm quite grateful actually because it gave me a lot of impetus to go I need to sort this out yeah, I yeah, need yeah, to be yeah. on top of it and yeah. that started the journey of from spending time with a neuroscientist who had bipolar and reading a lot and getting quite intellectual about it and exploring it from kind of eastern medicine perspective and spending time at groups I kind of deep dove in to figure out how to get on top of it then I guess at this point when I listened to this audio a lot had happened in my life over a number of years and it hadn't affected my mental health like 
relatives dying, adopting my son, moving multiple times. So as I said at the beginning of this podcast, I would have said, when you'd have asked me on this day of this recording, do you have bipolar? I'd have said, well, we used to have bipolar. Mm, yeah. So it wasn't really coming coming to mind at this point. Yeah. And in there, you were also, in this uh, snippet that we just heard, you were talking about uh, energy as well. Yeah, I was quite aware, because kind of picking up on what I said at the beginning, we moved abroad after setting up this kind of reactive lockdown startup. And my wife suggested we rent our place in the UK and, and come across here. And I guess I was quite conscious that I had worked on a previous startup. When I got here, I got involved into a few things. And after a year of being here, I was quite aware that I hadn't been bringing in a lot of money and that something needed to shift. And so this comment about putting energy into things, I think in my head I was trying to square, there's risk here. Mm. But having done research, the garden sector was in massive growth. We had proven to some degree in our first year that, that it could work, right? We, we had like 360 orders in 48 hours. I know that was COVID-based, but we'd learned a lot. I'd learned a lot from delivering plants to people's doors. So it felt to me like it was a considered risk. Mm. And I guess on this, I'm just trying to talk that through with myself. Yep. This is going to require a lot of energy. Are you sure you're committed to it? Yeah, yeah, great. The other big thing that stands out for me is your awareness of your dad. Now, I know that, that that's a massive chapter. Your dad passed away. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you were becoming aware of around this time? Yeah, my father passed away last year at 100 years old which is an amazing <laughs> age. And actually at this stage it wasn't, and I still believe that didn't cause or play a role in causing my episode because at a hundred, it wasn't surprising. And I had been taking quite clear steps and with the support of my family to be prepared for that. In actual fact, a couple of years earlier, it was much more stressful when my dad had his stair lift and he was sleeping upstairs and he was falling all the time. That was much more stressful. So I was kind of ready and prepared for it. And my father, bless him, had been very organized in his affairs, which made it much easier as well. And he talked about it for a long time, which felt quite morbid, but also meant I was on top of it. So, yeah, clearly that could have been a contributing factor, but I think I'm saying here I'm on top of it. Yeah. I'm... I'm organized with the practicalities. And generally with these audio notes, it was about processing and just going, yeah, I've thought about this. I've thought about this. I'm pretty clear on where this is all, um, you know, we're all going. And then had the confidence to keep moving forward. Wow, cool. So, um, yeah, that was that's really, really fascinating. And I think Pete does a great job of um, sort of taking you through that. He's very yeah. kind and gentle. But this was the point where everything was pretty much okay. I mean, you were, you had a, a hell of a life going on, lots going on. But mm. mentally, you felt you were in a you were in a decent place. Is that is that the kind of uh, interpretation you feel, um, Paul, um, about how Ash sounds in that? Well, I mean, obviously, Ash can can give his own own view on it, but. I mean, that sounds like uh, the normal Ash in a way to me. Um, the Ash I've known over years, who's sort of reasonably balanced, not not really low, not really high, but you know, able to describe a lot of things going on um, in his life at the time. 
you know, to lo- loss of your father, lots of significant events, I guess, um, mention of a possible midlife crisis. It sounds like you're sort of winding yourself up for a big challenge as well. Yeah. Mm. So I'm interested, Paul, separate from it being me, if some, if you're talking to someone and they're talking about all these big things in their life. I mean, I remember when I was younger, I think I even mentioned it in this episode, maybe the next one, about a psychiatrist saying to me to take things easier, to not take too much on. Would you be hearing these mm. as warning signs, do you think? Um, well, y- y- you sort of... I, I, I don't think I would at this stage. You know, mm. I, 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 what I'm hearing is that, you know, you uh, went through a number of significant stresses, uh, including the pandemic, of course. Let's not forget yes. that that was stressful for everyone. And then this big decision to move out to Ibiza. Um, but before that, you, you know, set up this... Um, this startup company and I think you you were sort of on top of that really weren't you um, yeah but you, you you went about it in a workmanlike manner you weren't um overzealous you went unrealistic I think in your in your plans at that stage you know and you it had you got a lot of orders yes I, I guess there might be some unraveling that happens later right where there might have been some unre- unrealistic expectations and unrealistic goals but i i'm not getting that at this stage what about you old do you do you feel you know ash as well yeah i mean again it just sounds like yeah it just sounds like normal ash there there are to me as a layman there are some anxieties poking through there seem to be it it almost feels like quite masculine anxieties Mm -hmm. um i know we're three guys talking about this despite the fact our audience is predominantly female (laughs) interesting enough but there were some what I would categorise as masculine um, anxieties coming through, like, like uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, am I doing the right things in my life? And presumably this is why you're talking to a, to a coach. But it seems more like compl- com- you're, you're contemplating. Complutative, Contem- I think is the word. Uh, yeah, that's the one. Uh, rather than, you know, struggling with your mental health. You might be yeah. struggling with uh, where am I in life? What am I doing in life? Am I doing the right thing? But it, it certainly doesn't seem to be like someone who's... Um, struggling uh with like depression or anxiety more um existential questions i guess that that um that that um always the trip of all of us at some point in our life and particularly in middle age that's an interesting Mm. point because that was why i started doing the audio notes right i think i mentioned Mm. on this i went on a thing about awareness and about i mean i'm a member of a men's group and i'm someone who's generally deep happy to deep dive into how i feel and think about things so that's Mm. that's why these audio notes are like it um so I think it's all about you wanting to 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 make your own way, isn't it? And you know, tr- trying to um, you know make some money really when y- you know you felt that it was right to make a time was right. Yeah, and that you. I, I think there is this probably the fact you know you, you're 42 and you're thinking like if I'm going to do this. Um, I need to do it now. I mean, maybe your father dying as well did have uh, an influence slightly as well, because your man was, your father was a, 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 a very driven man, wasn't he? Yes. And someone you looked up to. And, and maybe there is an element of, you know, him leaving this world that made you think, right, I really need to get on with things now. And 
was there an element of following in your father's footsteps? I don't know. I'm curious. Um, yeah, no, I'm not so sure about that. But yeah, maybe there's there's stuff that goes on um, that you're not aware of. I suppose. Mm. Um, I mean, one of my other questions is: you've said there's it's very I'm very busy. There's a lot going on. One of the things that intrigues me is that I had no emotional reaction no significant high or low as a result of closing down a company I've been working on for 10 years moving from where I lived to somewhere else I had basically two years of very very positive state of mind very positive and I wonder now perhaps overly positive um so yeah I don't know what you'd think about that difficult for us to know what was going on in your mind I guess but you weren't sort of showing other symptoms, really, of no. of being hypomanic. You weren't hyperactive. You weren't over-familiar with people. Your sleep was okay. No, and, and, and also bear in mind, as as we said at the start of this, I, I, I hadn't had anything happen for 10, 12 years. So mm. I think there's a key thing mm. in here. When I first got diagnosed with bipolar, I'd never experienced these things before. And then suddenly you're like is it cool that I've just gone off to America and made a documentary and persuaded people to give me lots of, that felt very cool in my twenties. I was like, this is brilliant. And then, then just trying to figure out what's happened. <laughs> yeah. Get, imagine getting that, bi- that, that diagnosis and you think, Oh my God, I feel great. Oh, hang on. Is it the bipolar or, Oh, I feel terrible. Oh my God. Is it the depression? That must be uh, something you've got to learn to live with. Yeah. I, what I'm detecting, Paul, if I, if I may sort of, uh, mm. but in is that, you're, you're seeing a man talking to a life coach, seems a very skilled life coach, uh, contemplating things, um, but there's no particular warning signs. Is that what you'd say? You wouldn't say this is a guy who is in danger of having a crash. You'd just say this is a guy who's got a lot on his plate. He's moved. He's got a young child, happily married. He's uh, starting up a business. So he's got a lot going on in his life, but there are no sort of clinical signs that um, Ash is about to have some kind of um, high or low. No, that's right. I think at this no. stage, there's, no. there are not any sort of warning signs of an episode, of an actual bipolar episode. Um, the, the, there are only kind of warning signs in retrospect, aren't there? That things yeah, are building yeah. up, perhaps pressures are building up. Yeah. yeah. So maybe we've said enough about about that one, yeah. and um, you know, it'll be interesting to to see how things develop next week. Yep. Yeah, very much looking forward to the next... Uh, we had a sneak preview of the next tape, but we're going to analyse it in some detail in the next episode. And this is where, um, I guess, Ash, well, you can put it in your words, hmm. things start to go a little bit wobbly. Well, yeah, let's let's come... It's funny you use that word wobbly, because <laughs> at the time, it's it's subtle. It's very nuanced. So definitely when, when the high is really coming and the low crashes, definitely I'd describe that as wobbly. He mm. is kind of very subtle, subtle to the point that I didn't even notice. So a bit of a, t- a tease for what will come up on the next episode. <laughs> yes, indeed. Looking forward to it. Um, thanks for that, gents. Fascinating. So, so far, everything's going okay. Let's see what happens next week. Thank you. Um, thank you very much for tuning in. Thanks again, Ash. Uh, and Paul, any final thoughts or should we just uh, wait until next week when we um, play the next one? No, just to say, um, look forward to uh, episode two. See you all next week. Bye for now. Bye for now.